Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heinemann. I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. We are having such a good time in the studio today. Yes. uh, When Mm -hmm. we got in, the studio is like Mm mid-transition, and there are all kinds of plants in here. Not real plants, but we were just trying to figure out where to put them. And we've decided it's a good thing they're not real plants because Elizabeth and I do not know how to keep, we don't know how to keep plants alive. So yes. good thing. Which is okay. Yeah. Yes. But we have someone on the I podcast know. today that has been on the podcast a few times before. So we're so excited. Scarlett Hiltavidal is Yay. here. Hello, Scarlett. Hello. I'm excited to talk about succulents. <laughs> That's exactly. Can you right? keep succulents alive? <laughs> Actually, I'm really good at succulents. Oh, there you go. I'm really good at that. Are you a succulent farmer? Because I know you're um, a reluctant farmer. Me. I'm not a succulent <laughs> farmer, but I have had a succulent garden. Oh. You know, like a bunch of them in a thing for two years. Wow. That's amazing. Multiple moves, and they're still doing amazing. That's impressive. So, okay. But yeah. what I want to know, we want to get an update on you and your family and what's happening. But we also need to know if you still have bunnies, if you still, like, the animals in mm-hmm. the Scarlet, in Scarlet's house. Yes. Yes. The farm has expanded. I think last time we talked, I was, I think I was farming. Uh-huh. I think so. I had, a, I had a little brief stint of city life, and mm-hmm. now we are back to farm life, and we have a donkey. And I feel like the donkey has really solidified the farming, and yes. I feel pretty legit now that we have a donkey. But I we still have like, bunnies, we have chickens, the whole thing. Yes. I feel like donkeys are, like, trendy right now. Like, all the cool yes. kids have a donkey. We have a donkey next door to us. And mm-hmm. they're really, really fun. They're very affectionate. Like, they come running every time that they think that you've got a treat for them. I don't know what yours is like. <laughs> but that's... What is your fun. donkey's yeah, name? what's the name? Okay. Well, I feel like I need to backtrack. We had two okay. donkeys. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe I am Is this going to get farmer, morbid? So. Is this going to go dark? It gets a little dark, but okay. it's okay. Okay. It's the circle of life. We got two donkeys in June. We now have one donkey. Okay. It's very sad. But our, our remaining donkey is named Jake, and he's doing great. And he loves a treat. He loves running up for the carrot, just like you mm-hmm. said. So he's doing really well. Farm life has a lot of death on it. It's yeah. just happened. So that was a sad day. But, but, but overall, is farm well. is going well. Jake's doing great. <laughs> Love it. 
Well, um, I was just thinking about Jake from State Farm. That's like immediately <laughs> what came to my mind. Like, this is Jake from Scarlet's Farm. <laughs> okay. Well, you like we said, oh, you're not a stranger to the Mark podcast. You've been here a few times. But give us, everyone, a quick update yeah. on non-farm-related things, like what's going on with your family, your ministry, in your life. What, what okay. else is happening? My kids are older than last time. Yeah. I feel like it's just been a couple of years, maybe. Um. My kids are older, so my girls are 12, almost 13. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, 10 and 8. They're doing awesome and um, non-farm related. I'm traveling and speaking <laughs> quite a bit this fall and um, writing and same old, same old. I'm sorry, but keeping yeah. succulents alive. I yeah, mean, too. that's, that's so, a great skill to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, we do want to just say congratulations. Uh, you've got a new Bible study that's releasing today, and it is called Ashamed. And so it, it really deals with the subject of shame, and we want to talk a little bit about maybe that subject and yet also just the Bible study in general. So why are these subjects just so important to your heart? You know, it's so funny is that I just recently noticed that all of my books and Bible studies have super negative. <laughs> if you would just like, if you just saw the title alone, anxious ashamed afraid of all the things <laughs> they're very negative but it's you know it's hope yeah. in spite of all the brokenness mm -hmm. um okay <laughs> so yes the the reason shame is important to me so my first bible study was anxious mm -hmm. fighting anxiety with the word of god this one is ashamed fighting shame with the word of god so i'd spent years and a lot a lot of years and a lot of life writing about anxiety because it was my main spiritual emotional battle of my life and learning to fight to keep my eye, to set my eyes on things above, not on earthly things, Colossians 3, 2, that, you know, changed changed my life, learning that the gospel is for right now, today, I can rest in the work of Jesus. I don't have to just hope I'm doing a good job for someday. Um, you know, that was my testimony, is my testimony. And so anxiety was like the feeling and the panic and the problem. Um, but I think that the anxiety and the the striving cycle that that led to put me in this cycle of shame for a really long time. And I didn't even realize it was happening. It was all through my childhood, my teen years, my early adult years, where when I was, I don't know, I guess I would describe it as, I became a Christian when I was 14. You guys know this, we've talked before. <laughs> um, but I became a Christian when I was 14. And I really believe that if I had died that day, I would be with Jesus in heaven. I knew I needed him. I understood the gospel. But it was like, as soon as I did that, the way that I lived became this like striving to be a good Christian. So I mm. used to like strive to be a good person. And then I became a Christian and I'm like, well, I better be a good Christian. So I kind of started living this anti-Christianity of making it all about me and my performance. So my book after the anxious stuff was You're the Worst Person in the World, which was about um, recognizing your sin, but not just staying there and living in shame, but being able to repent and turn from your sin and have joy and peace because our sin is forgiven. So that's why it's so personal to me is because it was such a stuck way of living that I had, even in my faith, where I would just think, well, what is the line? Because I want to be, if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be good at serving Jesus. So do I sell everything I have? Well, what if I find an apple? Do I <laughs> give that <laughs> apple away? And, you know, it's like, I was just so stuck in my head about it that I wasn't able to put my eyes on Jesus, which is the whole point. Like we were designed to worship the Lord and I was busy trying to um, be worthy. And so that's why it's personal to me. Mm -hmm. And I think too, we tend to compare ourselves to mm -hmm. other Christians 
and we or we say, wow, I'm not setting up a nonprofit to help all of the orphans in Uganda, so I must be a terrible Christian. And so then women get in the cycle of, I must not be enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. probably it too, right? Yeah. One of my, my middle daughter is adopted, and I remember being there in the orphanage and seeing 20 other kids in the same room thinking, well, how do I just go back and, you know, resume pretty comfortable American life and leave? It's like if you if you set your mind on your own performance, it will cripple you and paralyze you and you will live in shame. But if you focus on what Jesus is doing to, you know, when Jesus used our family to bring our daughter into our into our home, like that was an amazing miracle and gift that we are still in awe of to this day, six years in. And when I'm focused on Jesus, I'm like, what a gift that I got to be part of that mm-hmm. rather than I should have done more, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making it about me. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key because I think we hear a lot like on, you know, Instagram and on even self-help books. A Mm -hmm. lot of times they are like, you are enough. You are so good. You're you are worthy. And that's really not true. (laughs) We're enough with Jesus. Jesus, But I think that's the key is focusing on Jesus and not ourselves Mm -hmm. because we can um, we'll never be worthy, but we can look to the one who is worthy and Mm -hmm. worship him. And so I think that. Um, what you said about looking to Christ and replacing that uh, need for worthiness with worship is such a mm-hmm. a needed thing. And um, it's hard to do. It's not like we're just like, oh, yeah, just look to Jesus. It'll be fine. Like, that's definitely not the case in anxiety or in shame. You know, we can't just like fix it instantly. So, mm-hmm. um, but I just want to I want to point out to our yeah. listeners who might not know <laughs> that Elizabeth, this lovely host, also is an editor and she edited this Bible study. And I think this is a great example of you taking me trying to explain something and <laughs> succinctly putting it into a beautiful, <laughs> digestible package. You're amazing. No, I think I you like, said that. That's, that's I think what I was I, trying to say. I think I like just <laughs> quoted you back to you. So. Well, you said it really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about the this Bible study specifically. Right. And um, maybe I can also help with this too, because like you said, I've seen it probably later than you've seen it. But um, tell us a little bit about what... Uh, women can expect when they pick up this Bible study? How did you kind of like, or what was the woman you were thinking of when you wrote this study? What were you thinking that these, like who, who needs this study? Who would like to do this study? Yes. Okay. Yeah. When we were off air, I told Elizabeth, I was like, you just went through this so (laughs) meticulously. So I might need help. Um, Honestly, originally when I was first putting the outline together and everything, I was thinking of women, like I just described, who felt, um, stuck and undone by shame from their own sin Mm -hmm. and then sitting at the table with you genius publishers there we we got to discussing when we were putting it all together and there's so many different sources of shame there's so many different ways you can feel ashamed that don't even have anything to do with you sometimes and you see that in scripture too um you can feel shame because of sin that was done against you um and so there's you know there's shame you can feel from abuse which is horrible but that's a reality there's the, the self-inflicted kind where you're beating yourself up and saying, if only I had done this and, you know, what if I do this again? I, this is a pattern that I see in my life. So, um, I mean, I think that I can't think of a person who wouldn't relate to feel, especially if you have been walking with the Lord for any amount of time. It's like, we have to, we have to get to that Romans three twenty three understanding of like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like I'm the chief of sinners. You have to come to the Lord that way. Um, but once you do, it's hard sometimes you get distracted by what's around you or maybe you get out of the habit of 
studying scripture or you get sick and you miss church for a couple of weeks and you forget these fundamental things about um, the freedom that's available to us from shame um, through Jesus. So um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to study these different people. Similar, if you've done my Bible study on anxious, my Bible study on anxiety, um, I looked at different people in the Bible and um, their responses to shame and what we can learn from them. And then also just talking about practical ways that we can rest. I think the last um, session is called Shame Crucified. Is that right, Elizabeth? I think so. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like Jesus Jesus bore our shame. Like this is all just Bible verses. He bore our shame um, so that we don't have to live in it. We don't have to be stuck in the, oh, I, I, I failed, I failed, I failed. Um, we can live in freedom of I'm forgiven. So yeah. Yeah. What would you add, Elizabeth? <laughs> I would just say, yes, all that is true. And the the people that you went through in the Bible are some that I feel like I didn't necessarily think about shame immediately with all of them. So it was really interesting to look at their stories and see, like, it's through all these different people's stories and it's part of them. Um, like Isaiah, Peter, the woman at the well, um, Jesus, Paul. Paul. Mm-hmm. Is that... I think that may be all of them, but mm-hmm. it was such an interesting thing to look at their stories in light of shame and then in light of who they were in Christ and in God, like, and how that shame was taken away when they were, when they rested in their forgiveness. Um, and so that was, that was really interesting to me. I was going to say fun. It's not really necessarily fun to talk about <laughs> shame, but it, it was um, interesting and cool to see their walks and how, and I love the Bible and how it has those stories in there for us. And it doesn't like sugarcoat it or be like, mm-hmm. and they all lived happily ever after. Like it's something that I'm sure those people still struggled with, you know, until eternity, but yeah. they had that memory to fall back on. And I'm curious because you mentioned Isaiah. Mm-hmm. What was the part of Isaiah? Where did you kind of camp out in scripture? Was it when he saw the Lord or was there a specific instance? I'm curious about that um, one. Elizabeth, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was my first thought when I was like, I'm going to write on shame. I thought about um, him in the throne room in Isaiah 6 mm-hmm. and seeing the holiness of God and his response to that, which was so what what a natural human response is and should be when you're faced with your sin, which is falling to the floor. Mm-hmm. I should be dead right now. I am unclean. I'm not worthy, you know? Um, so that was shame. Like he was ashamed. And then to see... <laughs> It gives me chills talking about it right now. I have goosebumps. But seeing what happens, I mean, it's just a few, it's like half of the chapter. What happened when the angel put the coal to his lips and said, your sins are forgiven and how he changed from being someone on the floor um, yelling, I should be dead right now to here I am, send whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do it. When, when God said, who will go for us? Who should I? And he said, send me, not knowing what the assignment was. And the assignment ended up being really bad. Um, a lot of those prophets, like they had to That's preach a good point. and, you know, it, but he was so willing without even knowing where he was going to go. And so anyway, I just think that's a beautiful picture of we, we are ashamed when we're faced with our sin and we, we need to be, we can't, we can't come to the Lord if we don't recognize that we need the Lord. We just can't. Um, but what a beautiful thing that the forgiveness of God does. It like, it, cha- it takes us off the floor and gives us purpose and gives us, um, you know, the desire to be part of what God's doing, whatever that looks like. And that's real. Like if you're really, if you're really faced with your sin 
and you really have an encounter with the spirit of God and you really follow Jesus. Like that's what happens in the Christian life. And it's so cool. And it's so opposite of shame of living in shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think that we live in a world that doesn't, they don't see shame as a, like they, we all see shame as this bad thing, but there should be this repentance of sin. Like Mm -hmm. we do have to be sorrowful and there is a, that element. Yeah. And I, I think that you've hit on something that probably our world is not recognizing. Like, I just feel like people don't have a lot of shame about their sin. They just, yeah. it's very blatant in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's kind of the, like, the difference between, like, guilt and conviction and shame. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of it is kind of what you're saying, the living in it. Like, do you live as one who has been forgiven or do you live as one who is still not worthy and laying right. on the floor? In the throne room, right. you know, or are yeah. you looking at God? And like you said, there's nothing, it's nothing we can do on our own to get rid of that. I mean, that's through the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you kind of walk through that progression, Scarlett. Is that ha- kind of how you set it up? Yeah, right, Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And we also I talked promise about... I looked over it before, <laughs> before I came over here, but it's been a few months. Yes. And you also talked about um, Adam and Eve and when shame right. first entered the world. And that's I think right. that's a key that I, yes. I forgot about when we were just talking about it. But that's the key time when shame entered the world. And I think we were talking about it in the writers conference and we were like, well, you have to talk about Adam and Eve because that's, I mean, they didn't know they were naked and they, they were, and that's when, you know, it kind of entered in. And so, um, what are some of the other passages of scripture? Like I know in the back we have those like shame fighting verses and how do you see those like playing a role in people's walks through shame? And like, how has the Bible, I guess, it's that the subtitle is fighting shame with the word of God. How do we do that? Well, yes, I love that we put shame fighting verses in the back. I mean, I just, you know, if you walk to those, you, you two know, it's like if you hide God's word in your heart, it's there. And we are in a spiritual war every day, all the time, right? That's what the Bible says. And when you have that in your mind, and in your deep in your soul, it's going to come out when you need it to comfort you, to correct you, to instruct you, all the things that the Holy Spirit says it'll do in, the, in, this, in his very word. It does it. Um, but the thing that's been most uh, powerful for me in recent years has been deep Bible study in context. Like I'm thinking about, again, forgive me for not remembering all the deets, <laughs> but like thinking about when I was putting together the women, the woman in the well section, it's like, yeah, I knew... I remembered her interaction with Jesus. I had briefly studied that before, but to really look at the context of all the different types of shame she was experiencing when she had her encounter with Jesus, you know, just learning, this is just cool, nerdy stuff, but just learning about, you know, the people group that she was from and the discrimination that she faced, shame that she had nothing to do with. That's just where she was born, you know, Um, shame from what was done to her, shame from what she had done. Like every, I think it was like every kind of shame that we figured out in that meeting that you can experience, like she experienced it. And then she encountered Jesus and it was such a beautiful, simple thing. And even when she told people about how Jesus had changed her, it was like, he knew everything I'd done. You know, it was like this simple encounter with Jesus and forgiveness. And it's like, um, yeah, the most life-changing thing about scripture to me is just um, coming to understand these stories as more than just like, something that you read. Okay. That was a story, but just learning the context, who it was written for all that, that's just been so amazing. And then doing that in tandem with memorizing scripture. 
Um, I mean, scripture is just full of verses that remind us of that truth that I think we're so prone to forget about how we don't have to live stuck in slavery. You know, Mm -hmm. and it is, it's like you can be in slavery to sin, but you can also be in slavery to like remembering your sin. You know, you can Mm -hmm. also just be, and then you're not worshiping and you're not uh, living out the purpose God has for you, which is going to lead to your joy. Um, So yeah, the Bible is so cool. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to think too of the group. I'm trying to picture the group of women who would maybe pick up the study. And in some ways I tend to think of maybe even, um, maybe younger women Mm -hmm. might be, this might be a topic that they've never really either dealt with or that they are dealing with. And they're trying to figure out how do I live in freedom of Christ? I mean, what kind of other groups do you think of Scarlett when you think of this is the type of Bible study that would be so helpful? So glad you asked that. I, I agree. I think young women, and you said this earlier, Kelly, but just women who are younger, who are growing up in the culture that kind of says the mm-hmm. opposite, who might not see their need. I think it's so important for them to get there because you got to see your need because that's not, it's not freedom to not know. It's not freedom to not be faced with your sin. Mm-hmm. That is still, right. that's slavery. And that's a very empty way of living. And you're not living the way to worship the Lord, which is what you were designed to do. Um, but I also think of like older women who kind of have the, you know, chunk of adulthood behind them. Mm-hmm. Oh man, isn't it so hard as you get older, like, and you rack up the things that have happened and that you've been involved in. And you're like, would have done that differently. Wish I would have called, wish I would have said this differently. We all have them. And I think the older you get, I've learned just the last few years, I've grown so much in compassion because it's like, life is so hard. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And when you're young, you might think it's easy for a little while if you are have an easy life for a few years. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think of multi-generational, multicultural women who have all experienced different, you know, maybe they haven't experienced it. Maybe they've experienced so much of it and need freedom from it. Or even if this was like a mentoring group and maybe there were some mm-hmm. older women and younger women or the older women maybe are, you know, have gone through some life yeah. and they've, they can share with younger women, look, this is the things that I have carried with me. Like, mm-hmm. don't carry this baggage and, you know, yeah. give this to Jesus. And I think to realize that, I, I think yeah. that could be a powerful group. The videos aren't like super long, right? I mean, no, yeah. they're super digestible. Or like 10 minutes, 8, 10 minutes, yeah. maybe 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's what, six weeks? Is it six or yes. seven weeks? Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's an easy study to do like a mentoring relationship would be perfect and I think too about um some people may not realize that they're carrying shame they may not have understood that label because I think I would have said like shame isn't really something that I struggle with a ton like but once I got into this study I was like oh I do have like there are some levels where I have felt this and so I think even just I think a mentoring relationship would be perfect or older women and younger women to kind of be like oh, this is what you're feeling, this comparison, this like, I can't be enough, I can't do enough. That is a type of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even the outside sources of shame, maybe we don't necessarily think of it as like, oh, I'm ashamed of this. We just think like, I don't like this or this isn't good. So I think think that would be really good and helpful for all women, whether or not they think they've dealt with shame. I think we all kind of deal with it a Mm -hmm. little bit to some extent in some kind of way. Um, And... I mean, worst case scenario, they've never dealt with shame, but who can't use the reminder to look to Christ and every like and to remember your forgiveness? I think that's 
key anyway. So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. I, I'm with you. And Elizabeth, I feel like if you would have asked me a couple years ago, I might not have recognized that that yeah. was part of my story and struggle because I lived in that striving cycle so that I wouldn't feel it. And right. I wasn't consciously saying, I'm going to strive and try to accomplish things so that I won't feel shame. But that's how I was living. Right. So I'm totally with you. I think I don't, I can't think of a person who wouldn't either subconsciously or consciously struggle yeah. in that way at some point. And I think I've heard statistics before and I can't, I can't remember where I heard them. So everyone take this with a grain of salt. But that shame is one of those things that women deal with more so than men. Like mm -hmm. it's like a constant like shame, anxiety. These are things that women consistently like across, um, especially like in American cultures, mm -hmm. um, kind of that's one of our chief sins, I guess, or mm -hmm. chief uh, struggles. I guess that's more the word I was looking for. Um, so I think that it is something that a lot of women have experienced, whether or not they know to label it shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. All right. Scarlett, you've, you've been on the Mark podcast a few times. We were just saying that you might get one of the awards for being on here, you know, more times than most people. But yes. so you know our question, you know, we have the marked question, but we thought it might be interesting for you to really share with us, like, how have you personally been marked by this subject of shame? Okay. You want me to go super deep? Yeah. Sure. I want to go, go super, super deep. deep. Um, okay. So I, my uncle died by suicide the year I was writing this, I think. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. I don't know why it's going to make me cry. I was thinking, writing this letter about the Bible study, like, why does the Lord, and I hear this from so many people who work on topics like this. It's like the Lord allows you to struggle in this specific way as you are studying and writing and trying to help people not struggle. And um, he was like father figure. I was super close to him and we had just moved out to live near, like I was going to be living near him for the first time since I was a child. Um, and it happened three months after I moved. And so as I am like meeting deadlines for the ashamed Bible study, fighting shame with the word of God, I am in a spiral of grief. And why didn't I call him that morning? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and here's the thing, like I had just called him weeks. We knew he was struggling with depression and substance abuse and stuff. And I had called him, had that awkward phone call of like trying to help you know, lead him to a church group and kind of offer my testimony, which feels so weird when you're talking to someone who practically raised you and you have respect for them as an elder. It's like an awkward thing. And so I had that like on a loop in my brain, like, what did I, what could I have said differently? What should I have done? You know, mm -hmm. all this to say, it's, it was personal to me before I started writing it, but it got so personal as I was in the midst of the reading theology books and writing about something like this. And you know, I've talked to so many people since 2020 and like the world has changed. So many people have lost loved ones to sickness, job loss, suicide. I mean, it's all gone up because everything in the world changed. Mm -hmm. And um, I uh, was so, I, I'm to the point in my faith now where I'm not surprised when Jesus comes through <laughs> and does what he says he's going to do. Um, so I won't say pleasantly surprised, but I'll just say grateful that it's true that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and that he comforts us in our affliction like no other person or thing can. And um, it was really comforting looking at grief and shame and all the horrible scenarios you read about in the Bible because there's it's a real history book of life. Mm -hmm. And there was death and all that stuff really early on. And so 
super comforting to me and definitely came from a personal place as I was there in a raw way fighting through it while I was putting it together. Yeah. Not a very lighthearted answer. But no, but definitely you. something that marked you. And I think mm-hmm. those kinds of answers always make me think of Jennifer Rothschild's mm-hmm. answer to this question where she talked about some of the marks, things that mark us are scars. And I think that's as like a reminder of what you've been through. And so mm-hmm. I think that's definitely one of those kinds of answers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, God uses all kinds of things to talk to us um, and teach us about his character. Mm-hmm. And so, sure. yes, I'm thankful for this study. And I think yeah. it's going to impact so many women and just be um, one of those things that you were talking about, Kelly, the mentoring, the church groups doing this together. I think it by nature requires us to be vulnerable, which leads us to um, spiritual growth. My pastor just said this on Sunday morning, he said like vulnerability, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but vulnerability vulnerability is the first step of spiritual transformation. And I think that the study calls people to be vulnerable. So thank you for being vulnerable on the mm-hmm. podcast um, to kind of set that example. And I think it'll lead to spiritual transformation yeah, for, for a sure. lot of women. Yeah. And just talking about the study, I think that sometimes when you look at a title and you think, well, who who is this for and why yeah. would I do this study? I think that Scarlett, you said something that we all, we all have mm-hmm. to deal with this. Yeah. And so I, I just want to encourage women um, that this is a study that I think could really be beneficial to a yeah. lot of women in your church. So definitely want you to check it out. It released today. So you can go to lifeway.com slash ashamed. Am yes. I going to get that right? And then we'll have the links in the show notes. So mm-hmm. definitely want to do that. Scarlett, as always, it's always, it's always fun to see you <laughs> and we love having you on the podcast. So yeah. thanks again for being with us and listeners. Thank you for joining us every week. We love being with you and we want to have you back here next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.